through the last few years, I kind of converted from a watching a movie fan to being a TV show fan. Maybe it's because having young kids and watching movies don't always go together so much because, you know, I'd always want to do it after the kids went to bed. So then it's like nine o'clock and I don't want to, I value sleep more than finishing a three hour flick. And I'm a guy who just, I have to watch a movie from start to finish. But the downside to TV shows is that you end up at the mercy of the studio that determines when they're going to get canceled. I might start actually getting into something, and usually I'm watching Netflix so I can watch the whole thing at once, everything like that. And I get to the end of an episode, and it's like, since you watched XYZ show, you might like this one. This one. I'm like, oh, goodness. That means that it's come to the end of what Netflix has, and probably the show has been doesn't have anything further after that. But lately, there has been a trend in culture of doing the same thing to people. Cancel culture, it's called. If you do something or say something that I don't like by whatever criteria I choose, you are canceled. Now, to be sure, there is a place where accountability is a good thing. You know, the Bill of Rights is not licensed to rhetorical anarchy or something like that. But how do we exist, particularly as Christians, or how do we influence a culture where the whole idea of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, no longer seems to apply? And our message of hope can get canceled on one word. That's the idea we're going to explore over these next couple of weeks. But the good thing is, as overwhelming and objective as that may seem like, Paul gives us a little bit of guidance in one of his letters. Uh, We're going to focus today on Colossians 3. Uh, We're going to break this up. It's going to be verses 1 through 16, 15 or 16. But we're going to start off with just 1 through 7. They go like this. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, the evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the things you also once followed when you were living that life. Paul is kind of building off of this take-off and put-on model that sort of permeates through all of his writing. It's the reason that in when we do a live service, we have a prayer of confession that is tied or paired with an assurance of pardon, a reminder of our forgiveness in Christ. And one of my favorites is where Paul drives this idea home in 2 Corinthians 5. It goes like this. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. There's that idea of take off the old and put on the new. You know, I'll kindly save you from expounding on some of those early put-to-death concepts or take-off concepts that Paul mentioned in those first couple verses. As a collection, can see them all as a whole, they take God's gift of sex outside of its intended context and unleashing its power in a million different ways that the culture will offer in order to enjoy those fleeting pleasures of sin, as the writer of Hebrews puts it. Fleeting being the operative word there. Now, for sure, culture cancels people and those that are involved in promiscuity. Now, perhaps it's on 
a different set of standards than a Christian might use. But I mean, if we're going to start somewhere, let's start on common ground here. And a Christian definitely is called out of such a lifestyle that Paul's laying out there. And getting called to the carpet on that one certainly doesn't help a person's testimony. But Paul doesn't stop there because that's external action. He starts getting to some of our attitudes in the next couple of verses, in verses 8 through 11. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. So here's the thing about that whole putting off promiscuity idea that he had in that first collection of verses. As I said, it's it's an external thing. In other words, he's looking for, it looks like, behavior modification. Don't act like this. And oftentimes, defining an action or saying, or action or behavior modification ends up kind of being like a baby step in our faith. And this is a church that generally has is on point when it comes to action, when it comes to the external stuff. Paul wants them to develop not just into robots who behave the right way, but develop them into mature believers. As he says earlier on in the letter in Colossians 1, verse 28, It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He takes that put-off idea from external actions to internal attitudes. The stuff that doesn't quantify on a placard or on a pie chart, those ideas of you know taking off anger and malice and, and slander and, and things like that. But here's the thing about maturity. There's an, kind of an abstract nature to it. It's more about your character than about your competence. You, know, you can't always, if you see somebody and you're like, they appear mature, but you can't always put your finger on exactly what makes somebody come across that way. I'll use an example as being a musician. I've been blessed to play percussion with many different groups in many different settings over the years, probably 25 years now. And I've seen some percussionists who have all the chops in the world. Uh, Consider that or hear that as they have competence. Anything you put in front of them on the page, they can play it. But what does maturity look like? Now, sure, there is some competency involved. There is having the physical ability to play what's presented in front of you. But it also involves, in certain settings, knowing when to play and knowing when to hold back. Knowing when to fill the space with your notes and when to simply create a pocket for another person to play in. When you hear a percussionist who can play with maturity and one that, can, that does not have maturity, you'll definitely be able to pick up on the difference. And if Christians can get past the idea of canceling this cancel culture, well, run what one writer calls getting ready for war before you've even gone to boot camp. And we get to the point where we start engaging that culture for Christ with our message of hope. We got to make sure that we're not only taking off the old, not only putting away those things that Paul said to, to be done with, but putting on the new self. As Paul says in Colossians 3.10, And have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. 
So what does that look like? Well, again, fortunately, Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us some very practical ideas in the next couple of verses, 12 through 15. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Well, if you've been following us for any length of time, you know I usually kind of tie things together at the end of a message with sort of your next steps. Well, here's your next steps for about the next 15 years. I mean, a Shark Tank world might look at this list that Paul lays out and say, you want to put those things on? You want to take on those characteristics, you're going to get eaten up with those kinds of traits. But understand this. There is no weakness being advertised in what Paul is talking about here. Rather, as N.T. Wright says, it's like a wild horse that has been tamed. Just because it is trained, just because it is a tamed horse, does not mean it's not still crazy strong. But that strength has been brought under control. It kind of describes Jesus Christ, the one we are called to follow. Here's an example. Taking these idea, these various ideas and putting them together. Type, a, type something in the comments if you value hard work. Say, I value hard work in the comments. If you think that it's a good virtue for a person to have. Well, guess what? Compassion, kindness, they're hard work. Especially if somebody hurts you. The easy move when somebody lays into you is to cancel them. To return with wrath or with slander. Maybe you value the idea of tenacity. Or as my mom always said when I was growing up, she always called it stick to If there's a discord in community, you know what? It takes tenacity to work things out. Hard work. The easy move is to simply cancel them. Pick up your toys and leave. I'm done with you. It takes a person with strength to hang in there and seek unity, even in the face of that discord. But here's the good thing. With Christ on our hearts, and we can really only do this with that going on, with his word on our minds and gratitude on our lips and love behind it all, that's why Paul says, you know, and be thankful, almost like a tagline on verse 12 we become less likely to be wrapped up in this whole cycle of canceling anybody. An effect that um, is so often born out of, this idea of wanting to cancel somebody is often born out of anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive language and all that stuff that Paul tells us to get rid of. And it allows us instead to be an alternative to culture rather than a copy of it. Now bear this in mind. To want justice and accountability for people isn't a bad thing. In fact, it is a good thing. But we can't forget the reality that until Jesus came to earth for us, we all existed in a canceled state before God. As Jesus says at the end of his Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 7, goes like this. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye, while the log is still in your own eye. 
you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. I said it two weeks ago while we were talking about looking at a piece of Ephesians 2, that we all started spiritually dead, canceled in God's eyes. No matter how much we may be walking around the Christian block now, but with Christ, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we are a new creation. Even if our experience of that transformation is still a work in progress. Here's a little hint to save your sanity some. That's the case for all of us. That that transformation, this side of heaven, is always a work in progress. But in being aware of our own need for grace, we can move beyond this idea of cancel culture and into loving relationships. Now, this may sound like a dangerous idea for a next step for you this week. But go back over the list of what Paul wrote. This is coming out of Colossians 3. And ask God, which of these areas you can grow in? Is there an anger from which you need release? Is there a wrath that you need freedom from? There's many other old ways that could certainly fit into this question. I'm just giving a few random examples here. But know this, that Jesus was sent not to condemn the world or not to condemn you for needing that release or that freedom, but to offer that release and freedom to you. And that offer has no cancellation policy. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for not canceling us, even though we so deserved it. Give us the strength to live with kindness and compassion and a spirit of unity that we might be your alternative to culture, your hope in this culture. All this we pray in your name. Amen.